Good morning. Today's Bible reading is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 22, as you can see on the screen. So let's pray before we read. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which shows us how to live day by day. Lord, there's so much in this passage that we're going to read today, and we can't do these things without your help and guidance. Father, we thank you for your incredible love for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you took our wrongdoings onto the cross with you and gave us the hope of eternal life with you. Help us not to take for granted the suffering you went through on our behalf and give us strength and grace for the times we're called to suffer for doing good. Father, as we come now to read your word and to listen to Josiah, we pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit you would open our eyes and soften our hearts to what you would be saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Peter 3, starting at verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, He went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Never mind the small child. (laughs) 
Um, it's <clears throat> great to be visiting you this morning. Great to see you all here today. Uh, if I haven't met you before, I'm sure there's lots I haven't. My name's Josiah. Um, great to be out here and, and visiting you. James is back next week um, on his holiday. Let's pray as we begin this morning. Please join with me as we pray. Our Father, Lord, we ask that you would now uh, just open our hearts uh, to your word and, and this uh, encouraging and challenging word to us. Father, please, by your spirit, uh, ready our hearts to receive what you have for us in the name of Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. Uh, well, I've always uh, loved that old book by John Bunyan, uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Do you know it? It's a, it's a Christian classic, isn't it? Uh, just a, a great story, really. This character named uh, Christian who's uh, on a, a pilgrimage, a, a quest all the way to the celestial city. It's a, it's a wonderful story and, and really a, quite a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Uh, I wonder if you remember how it begins uh, right from page one, um, just like this, as I walked through the wilderness of the world. Uh, well, you might be thinking, oh, that's a bit of a, a bleak way to begin a story, and, and aren't there some wonderful and beautiful things worth writing about? Well, well, yes, no doubt, but this story just taps that sense of the uh, sorrows and struggles, the, the temptations and trials, and, and yes, that difficult journey in this wilderness world. Oh, it really is a, a good picture of our journey of faith in our Christian life. And wow, there are some strange paths in this journey, aren't there? And, you know, why are you taking me this way, God? Or, or why this? I didn't expect this would happen. And they're the real-life struggles that inspired John Bunyan to, to write his book, Actually, John Bunyan is no stranger to the struggle and sufferings of faith. After all, he actually wrote this book from the walls of a prison cell. Uh, yes, he was imprisoned for being a preacher of the gospel, and, and yet he didn't lose heart, and, and he didn't lose hope. And those years weren't wasted, but we're going to come back to that story just a little bit later. Well, today we're continuing in this letter, 1 Peter, and Peter's writing to these people he calls exiles, people who I think just might resonate with that experience of life as a, as a wilderness journey. Uh, oh, and they're no strangers to the struggle and sufferings of faith either. Uh, we're going to see that this morning. But Peter also writes so they won't lose heart or lose hope, and so that even as they drink from that bitter cup of sorrow, they're also being filled by that inexpressible and glorious joy and, and how sweet that is. And so for us this morning, as we come to this, I do want us to feel that sober seriousness of Peter's words. There's a real challenge here. But I hope you also hear this is a good word and, and an encouraging word that, that keeps Christ before our eyes and his hope in our hearts and, and God help us to so walk in faith. And so there's three points for us this morning, three points that are our call of faith for life in this world. Here they are. When insulted, we bless. When suffering, we stand firm. And in everything, hold fast your hope. 
Uh, There are our three points. And so today we begin with this. When insulted, we bless. Uh, Read with me from verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, uh, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Wow, that's challenging. Because to this you were called that you may inherit a blessing. Look, I just want you to imagine this. You're a Christian and you're living in a foreign land. You're in exile and you feel rootless and untethered like an outsider, like a, like a nobody. And it's just getting harder to be known as a Christian. And some are being mocked and shamed and insulted. And you're thinking, did I really sign up for this? And, and is this really worth it? I, I didn't expect this kind of trouble to come my way. And And now here comes Peter with this letter. Well, great. And then you read it and you get to this, repay evil with blessing. Just saying, yes, you might be slandered or slighted, but maybe you're even copying it and you're copying flack for your faith, but you're called to bless. You know, to bless. It's that settled desire to seek the good of another. That's hard, (laughs) I mean, what's it like for you when you feel provoked, (laughs) like someone just pushes your buttons and it gets personal? I mean, don't you have that sense of something fierce come awake in you and and you just want to bite back just to get payback or just to get even, to to make them feel the hurt that you feel? It's just so human, isn't it? But no, here's Peter, repay evil with blessing. Oh, that's challenging. Well, actually, it's, it's pretty remarkable to hear, to hear this from a guy like Peter. <laughs> I mean, think of the gospel stories. How would you describe a guy like Peter? I don't know, impulsive, fierce, passionate, quick to speak when he should be listening, quick to act when he should be still. <laughs> I wonder, do you remember that story? Um, there's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and Peter and the disciples with him. And, and Jesus is about to be arrested this very night and in the morning to be killed. And well, suddenly comes these soldiers, um, and there's this fellow named Malchus. He's a servant of the high priest, we're told. And remember, he's mentioned there because as he comes into the clearing with the soldiers, there's Peter up on his feet with, with sword raised, and he's just struck Malchus, and he's, he's just severed his ear. And well, then there's Jesus, and stop that, put your sword away. And, and you know what Jesus does next? He heals the man. You know, Malchus, who's, who's just come to, to arrest Jesus, to do evil. But still, Jesus heals him. Oh, it's not evil for evil, but good for evil, a blessing. And there's Peter, sword by his side, just amazed at Jesus' heart. Who would do this? Well, then just again in the morning, as they take Jesus to the cross and then Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What is that? Just, just blessing. And so I want to say this. If you count yourself a Christian, then you know this blessing of Christ. And if you're following in his steps, then you won't repay evil for evil. Because your great hope for life is God won't repay evil to you. 
and so you will bless. Do you see, this is the great measure of the Christian life. Uh, It's not just what you're like in relationships that are easy and comfortable or or how wonderful it is when you're surrounded by good, encouraging people who lift your spirit and fill your tank. So good. But, But the true measure of the Christian life is is what you're like in relationships that are really hard, and especially here, when you're copying flack for your faith, when you're insulted or reviled or scorned or shamed, but you're called to bless. Oh, but no, that doesn't come natural for any of us. But in Christ, it is possible. Not in our own hearts or our own strength. No, we're too weak, but but with Christ, we can. Uh, I heard someone say it like this. You know, to return evil for good, that's devilish. To return evil for evil, that's human. Oh, but to return good for evil, to to repay uh, evil with blessing, that's the spirit of Christ. And that's true. And so... When insulted, we bless because that's the way of Christ. That's the way of our Lord and our Master, and, and, and we're just following in his steps. And so here's our second point. When suffering, we stand firm. Uh, look, let me just jump forward here to uh, verses 13 and, and 14. Let me read. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Don't fear their threats. Don't be frightened. Look, I think it's saying here that there's, there's two ways that you might suffer for sin. You could suffer for your own sin. Uh, well, that's not good. But you could also suffer when sin is done against us. That's unjust suffering. Suffering for, for what is right, says Peter. And the point is, look, don't be found out suffering for your own sin because you've done wrong. But do know that if you're suffering unjustly, oh, you won't be forgotten. But, but hold your ground and, and stand firm. What does Peter say? You are blessed by God. And, and God will bless you. And no, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Well, look, come with me then to, to verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Look, that's an encouraging word for us. Because look, you might read this and sometimes it's kind of like you you hear that and it feels like maybe you have to have an answer for everything. Like for for every curly question that you might get asked about your faith and you've got to have the... uh, the, all the answers lined up and all the complex you know, rationality and the, the good apologetic and all of that sort of stuff. But, but no, actually, Peter just says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, to, to everyone and anyone, but not an answer for everything. <laughs> no, if you're suffering for Christ, you, you don't need to have some complex argument, but, but just stand there and be determined to, to stand for Christ and to honor Christ that's it. Just, just speak about the hope that you have. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking now of that great example. Uh, remember from the, the book of Daniel. I remember with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and that great old story. After King Nebuchadnezzar 
had given that ultimatum to the people there that you've got to bow down and worship his golden statue. And if you don't, then you'll face death in the flaming furnace. And well, these three fellas, they, they just stand their ground and they don't bend the knee. And there's no fancy arguments or no complex apologetic. They just say, we won't bow down, Nebuchadnezzar. We serve the living God. Just such courage there. And that's what Peter's talking about here. Be prepared for that. Or I'm just thinking of that other example of it was Peter and John in the book of Acts, and they're arrested for preaching the gospel, and the authorities haul them in. They say, you've got to stop. And they say, look, you be the judge of what is right, but but as for us, we're just going to keep preaching the gospel. <laughs> no, no fancy reasons there, just that decided determination to stand firm. That's what Peter's talking about here. Be prepared for that. Oh, it's good to have answers, but you don't need to have all the answers to all the questions, but do be determined to stand for Christ and, and to suffer for Christ and for doing good. Um, verse 17, for it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil because that is the way of Christ for Christ also suffered once for sins. So have courage and just keep your faith in him no matter what and you will be blessed. Well, look, there's also a word of warning here too. And uh, look, just listen to this from verses 18 onwards. Uh, it says, he was put to death in the body. It's talking about Jesus there. But made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. Uh, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Well, that's a tricky passage, actually. <laughs> and uh, let me just say, uh, even the great Martin Luther once said about this passage, he says, this is a strange and obscure text and I still don't know what the apostle meant. And so uh, I take comfort in that and I hope you do too because uh, as you come to this, and I do share that because, look, it is a little bit tricky and there's a whole lot of different opinions and views and you might want to go away and read about all of that. There's truckloads there. But there's also a pastoral point here that's actually quite a serious point. So I do want to answer the question, but I do want us to hold that there's a serious point here about suffering and sin, and we'll come back to that. But look, the main question as I see it here is, it's here in verse 19, as Jesus says, uh, or as Peter says, that Jesus proclaimed to the imprisoned spirits, and the question who are they? Who are these uh, spirits in prison? And a few different views out there. Uh, what, did Jesus go into hell after he died? And did he kind of preach the gospel to the, the people who were in death in Hades? And, and when he preached, was it, was it to give them a second chance? Or was it perhaps to 
proclaim his victory over death and, and Hades and all of those evil ones there. That's one thing. Or, or maybe did Jesus, after he died, did he proclaim the, the victory of the gospel to the, the fallen angels, like the imprisoned spirits, as in the dark demonic powers of this world. And, and so we can probably think of other verses in Scripture where Jesus, at his death on the cross and his victory, it was this grand proclamation over, the, over all of the powers and authorities in this world. And there's something to that that, yeah, I, that, could be, that could be right. But as I read it and as I look at it, and you might have a different thought, and that's okay, come ask questions afterwards. But I think when you read on to verse 20, you see that this thing about imprisoned spirits, whoever they are, is tethered to those who were disobedient long ago in the days of Noah. And these people in that time and in that day. And so, look, it's a little bit messy and it's a little bit difficult to put it all together. But as I'm reading it, this is talking about the ones to whom God showed his great patience. Back then, while the ark was being built, who was that? Isn't it talking about those people, uh, the, the people that Noah preached to, the, the, the people that Noah preached and pleaded to, to say, come into the ark. Like God is giving you this time. Don't turn away or be indifferent to this call. Salvation is here, but come into the ark. I'm pleading, come and be saved. That, that's what Noah said, and the people wouldn't listen, and they wouldn't hear, and, and they perished. And see, the point is, Noah preached the gospel to them. But what Peter is telling us is, in the days of Noah, it was Christ who was preaching. It was Christ who made proclamation uh, through Noah, uh, spiritually, it was Christ who spoke. You know, the pre-incarnate Christ, as Noah preached the gospel, his words, Jesus' words, Jesus speaking through him. And so Christ proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Well, that's, that's a little bit weird. They're the people in Noah's day who are now dead and who are now spirits in prison because they didn't believe and they didn't listen and they disobeyed. So look, that's a very quick overview <laughs> and there's lots more that could be said. But the main point is there's two ways to suffer for sins. You could suffer unjustly because of the sin of others or you could suffer justly for your own sin like those people did in the days of Noah. They are the ones who suffered for their own sins. And Peter's point, don't let that be us. If you're hearing this, then this is God's patience to you. Don't be stuck in your sins, but, but come to Christ. This is the point. <laughs> Don't be standing there outside the ark with a hard heart to God's word and God's grace to you. Come into the ark and be saved. Come and put your trust in Jesus before it's too late. That's the point here. And it's a serious word. And look, I do want to say, if, 
if you're here and if you don't know Christ, or if you're here and you've been listening to some of these talks or listening to this word, that there is a call here to you. It's an invitation to you. God's grace is for you. But don't delay. Come before it's too late. This is a serious point. And see, that's what Peter's calling us to, even here as he, as he talks about baptism there in verse 21. Uh, do you remember Peter's very first sermon in the, in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost in, in Acts chapter 2? And Peter's preaching the gospel and the people are cut to the heart and they say, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, he's just making the same point here. Christian, remember your baptism. Remember that you were put in the water, just like with Noah. Remember that God has so rescued you through the waters, through death, through judgment, and you've been saved by God. And don't you forget it. Well, let me, let me finish here with this point. Uh, in everything, hold fast your hope. Uh, look, I mentioned at the start, uh, John Bunyan was no stranger to suffering. And, and he wrote that famous book, Pilgrim's Progress from a Prison Cell. Oh, actually, he'd already faced some fierce storms in the journey of faith. He was born in 1628, raised in a poor family. His father died when he was just a boy, and he lived through the English Civil War. Well, he became a Christian in his 20s, and, and very soon after, a preacher as well. And, and back in those days, it was actually illegal to, to preach out in the open air, but John Bunyan was a pretty compelling preacher, and he'd, people would get up early in the morning and, and crowd around ready for him to preach at noon. And because lots of crowds were coming, he was cautious not to preach anything political or anything like that, just to preach the gospel. Well... <laughs> Still, word got out, and in November 1660, he is arrested and he's charged for holding an illegal religious meeting. And so for three months, he's there in prison until the authorities finally pay a visit. And basically, they come and they say to him, look, we'll let you go, but you've got to promise you're going to stop all this preaching. And John Bunyan basically says, look, if I was out of prison today, I'd happily go preach the gospel tomorrow. And so, right, he's locked up again, and he's there in prison for 12 more years, for 12 years just sitting there, those long years. <laughs> but they weren't wasted years, because there in that prison cell, John Bunyan began to write. Actually, he wrote some 60 books in total, but no doubt Pilgrim's Progress was his most significant. Oh, it was a crucible of suffering, but it was there that something very precious was furnished and it's been a deep blessing for God's people even centuries later. It's not once been out of print, that book, Pilgrim's Progress. But, but here's the thing. John Bunyan said he, he actually wrote the book for his own enjoyment. <laughs> Didn't necessarily think it would go and be published or, or land on bookshelves and become a top seller for hundreds of years. No, he, he says he, he wrote it for his own benefit. <laughs> just for the good of his own soul, in the midst of a great trial, just to write this story about the wilderness wanderings, the, the, the difficult, hard journey of life in this world. And, and he's writing it just to keep his mind from those terrible thoughts and the discouraging thoughts and, and just to hold fast his hope in God. Well, what an encouraging example just for us. Wherever you are today and however you have come this morning or, 
or whatever sufferings might lie before you in the future or, or down the path, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what sufferings lay ahead for us, but just this, don't lose heart and don't lose hope. And so as we come to finish, I actually want to come back to um, verse 13 and just that very good question that Peter asks, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Oh, it's a good question. Because we may face some very great and terrible hardships. Many Christians do, and they have. And I'm just thinking, you know, this was written, this letter was written a while before some of the very hard persecutions that Christians faced just a few years later. I'm thinking of the time, particularly under the reign of the Emperor Nero, when, when he became emperor, and there's an old story there, he, he'd lit a fire and he blamed it on the Christians, and he had the Christians killed and persecuted. Some he dressed in, in animal clothes and fed to wild beasts. Others he, he had them covered in, in tar and then set alight. And then he had them impaled on poles and to hang up for his garden parties, to light up his garden parties. He, he was a, a sick and awful and an incredibly cruel man. And, and these Christians would go through struggles and sufferings like that. And yet to read Peter's words here... Who is going to harm you? And to say, well, I can think of maybe a few people who might. And yet just this point that ultimately and finally, who is going to harm us? I'm just thinking of the, the Apostle Paul and, and just his words in Romans 8 where he says, if God is for us, then who will be against us? you may taste death. And yet God will keep your soul and you will be safe because your soul is kept with him. Oh, he will keep his inheritance for us and he will also keep us for the inheritance. Just you believe it. And so will you join with me as we pray? Let's pray. Father, we, we do give you thanks that there's just this wonderful, beautiful thread of hope that runs all the way through this letter. Um, and even as Peter encouraged us earlier to set our gaze fully on the hope to be brought to us when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Lord, I pray this morning that, that you might stir our hearts and stir our gaze. Whatever, whatever we might be facing, whatever hard things come across our path, Lord, would you grow in us the, the very same heart of Christ? Lord, would you grow in us a great strength of character and strength of mind to be a people who persevere in trial, to be ready and prepared and, and willing to go the path that Christ has walked before us? And along with those countless saints that have gone before and that great cloud of witnesses who are speaking encouragement to us, Lord, would you just surround us and fill us with your word of hope and grace and peace and eternal life in Christ, that wonderful gift that cannot perish or spoil or fade, that, 
that sweet gift of salvation to our souls. Oh, Lord, press that deep in our hearts today as we sing and as we pray and as we encourage each other with these words. And Lord, just let our hearts be willing and able to receive that, for we ask it in his name. Amen.